Human design is a part science, part spiritual system that tells you who you came here to be. You have your own blueprint, your own way of becoming successful, your own way your dreams are going to come true, the way you'll experience the most joy and fulfillment. The instruction manual for how to move through the world is custom to you. When you act according to that manual, when you act as the real you, everything in life comes to you with more ease and less resistance. We all know we're different, yet we're still acting like there's one way to do life. Let's talk about it. To find out your design and the designs of the people in your life, you can visit myhumandesign.com or download the My Human Design app in the App Store and on Google Play. Okay, so I want to talk about something that I think is really common when you're first starting your spiritual journey, which is that you go down all these rabbit holes and you read all these books and listen to all these podcasts. And it's almost like the level of conversation that's being had is so deep. You know, like you're listening to people who kind of talk the same language as you and feel the same way as you. And then you kind of go back into your normal life and you almost like hide that part of yourself because you don't feel like you can get that in your real life. So I remember at the beginning of my spiritual journey, I felt like I was almost two different types of people because I was either my full deep self, right? Um, In the lectures I was going to, in the books I was reading, in the podcasts and the YouTubes that I was consuming. But then like in my friendships, it wasn't matching up. In my daily life, the type of conversations I was having with people was still so surface. And I think a lot of people, when we start our spiritual journey, it can make us feel really lonely because of that gap between our real life and and the life that we are kind of delving into and wanting to create. And would you agree that you were the person that was creating that gap? It wasn't necessarily that there was actually a gap there. Um, And how how did you fill that gap? I think I was creating the gap in this set, just in the sense that giving myself full compassion. And I think this is probably how it is for most people is like, we're almost scared to come out of the spiritual closet to our friends. You know, if you're used to having a certain surface level of conversation with your, you know, people you've known for years, it can be scary to almost say, I don't know, like instead of someone asking you, how are you? And you saying, fine. The first time you say, you know what? I've been a little down recently, or I've been exploring this, my emotions more, and even not even that deep, but just even saying, I've been having a bit of a funny time, you know? that's risky because what if we get judged for it? What if we feel rejected for it? What if it breaks our normal bonds and patterns that we're used to having with people? You know, our main uh, needs as human beings is for love and belonging, right? And we will sacrifice a lot in order to keep that belonging, especially when it is new stuff that we're trying on, right? And we're not even so sure of it yet. That's like, you know, it can be terrifying. So, I think I was definitely responsible for once I got strong enough in validating my own feelings, being able to talk to my friends about it, but almost I had to wait until I was okay in me being the one to validate my feelings so that when I was sharing it with other people or my depth or my thoughts or my whatever, my passions, so that when I was sharing them with other people, I wasn't dumping it on them for them to validate because I'd already validated it in myself. And so then it comes off like slightly lighter. And then when I do share it, 
you get so surprised at how many people are walking around, especially in today's world, who are craving that level of depth, who are dying to meet you there, but they are just equally as scared as you to go first. And so if you are in this position, you know, the, the dare of the lifetime and also the, the, it's almost like your duty to owe everybody else, the gift that you give everybody else is to go first. And it doesn't have to be in this crazy, dramatic or aggressive way, but it's just like, you know, just softening a little bit more than you're used to, or not defaulting to old personas that you used to, or old roles that you used to play, codependent roles, people pleasing roles, um, you know, all the sorts of roles that we used to play that block real connection because we're just presenting with a shell or a persona of a person um, that gets us an acceptable level of belonging, but not really that doesn't risk the deep connection that we potentially could have. Yeah. And I think too, we, whenever we're, you know, when you're talking about the separation between our spiritual life and our real life, whenever we've created that separation, I think for me, at least I assumed that once I started going down this journey, that the people in my life wouldn't be able to have those conversations with me. And like, I made up a story that in order for me to be this new version of myself, that I had to like, go find all these new people. But it was me that was showing up with that shell. You know what I mean? And me being like, you know what, me taking off the shell, maybe I could open up those kinds of conversations with the people I already have in my life. And like you said, one of the things I love that you always say to me is like, you, you assume that people are intelligent. You assume that people want to go to depth. You don't assume that people don't want to have these conversations. And, um, I think when we assume that we, we pull that out of people. A hundred percent. And it's also interesting because I think, you know, it's one thing to, you know, we're not saying, you know, start talking about spirit guides in front of your grandparents and expect them to also be interested in what you're interested in. Right. That's not what we're saying, but we're talking about, um, having more levels of connection and letting yourself be seen as you are, you know, not showing up as a spiritual cliche and pushing that on everyone. Right. Um, but just like being okay with risking, you know, talking about things as they really are, you know, expressing yourself as you really are, um, not being, you know, like I was saying, removing codependency or people pleasing or fixing or controlling or whatever, because then it just like, you just let the chips fall where they may, you see what's there when you're just your natural self showing up in a room and letting people interact. And I, there's a tool that I use often still to this day, which is like, if in doubt, just leave, just leave a little space in between, like just don't say anything, just leave five seconds before you say anything or, you know, let the person come to you, especially if you're the one who's used to making everybody comfortable. If you're the one who's used to kind of bringing the vibe and judging people up, the opposite is often the medicine, right? So just sit back for five minutes and let people be who they are. Maybe if you haven't been used to um, letting them have that way and, and let yourself be surprised and delighted by the depth of other human beings that they have maybe never shown because they were too scared too. Yeah. And I think there's a couple layers there, at least that in my own experience that me, I always thought I had to be the person that had to judge up the crowd and like have something to talk about and be the next, next, you know, just keep the conversation going. And, uh, I don't know what that was in me, but it, I think it actually was more of like an insecurity of like space. Um, but like you just said, there has to be space for someone else to fill that space. So if you are a person <laughs> like me, that is just basically bulldozes conversations, 
I did have to learn to kind of sit back for a second and let people meet me because I'm bulldozing over people. And that's why I could never, I never thought they could meet me, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when I sit back and I let other people talk, crazy idea, (laughs) (laughs) they meet me there. Mm -hmm. Um, And two, we had a conversation um, recently. I think that does tie back to human design where you can kind of um, like, what are the ways that your being that might be conditioning or like a misuse of your energy that might be stopping you from having those kinds of conversations. Like, for example, you, we had a full conversation about how I feel like I have to fix things for everybody. And that's very, um, three, five, I have a five in my profile. So I tend to want to fix things. I want to save the day, solve people's problems for them. And so that was my default in most conversations And when I started to realize like, oh, I can, I don't have to just play this role for people. It was scary because then it had to, I opened up, I had to open up a whole other possibility of conversations that I could have with people. And I don't know what that feels like. I'm not used to that. And when I did start to be like, you know what, I'm not going to default into the same conversations that I open up with people. I'm going to go into the things that I want to go into, the things that I'm interested in, the things like these kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. And it was the blink of an eye when I started opening up people in my life that met me there. Yeah. And you know, something I'll tell you that really has helped me when you're talking about, it's really scary. Firstly, I I want to acknowledge that because if you aren't showing up as the fixer, you aren't showing up as a people pleaser, the performer, the whatever, or even the, the spiritual one, quote unquote, right? Sometimes that's also a defense mechanism and a, um, a separation mechanism to make your ego feel like you're different from people and stuff like that, like all of that. Right. So, you know, when we've worn these masks for so long, it's really scary to think who are we without them? And can other people hold us and handle us without them? Um, so I want to acknowledge that first, but, you know, also you'd be surprised, like, you know, like you're saying, the type of conversations that we have together and that we have on the podcast, if you bring up like, you know, the big bang maybe didn't happen uh, per recent discoveries to other people, you'd be surprised by how many people, you know, want to talk about that stuff. And something that I think about (laughs) that often like reminds me of this is, you know, by far the most popular podcast on the planet is Joe Rogan. And he has like all sorts of archaeologists and neurobiologists on there. And, you know, people all over America and the world are listening to this in droves for hours and hours and hours long form all day. So I think it's beautiful that someone like that, I don't know whether he's consciously doing it or not, but investing in the intelligence and the craving for depth and meaning beyond just the regular chit chat. And listen, I love a little bit of like gossip and, you know, fun, silly, humorous, you know, chewing gum for the brain too. But, you know, especially in a world where we're just, I think 2023 especially is going to be so much about like, what has meaning in this world? And what is it that we want to feel the most rewarded by? And I think connection is the thing that one of the things that we're going to keep coming back to. And I think we've been taught such base levels of connections that we are now in a privileged position where we get to explore like, can we go first and bring people to deeper levels than what is like the norm or the status quo? I mean, you're opening up a whole other conversation too, because um, exploring different kinds of relationships. I even have that conversation with my fiance that 
the relationship that we want to create, we probably haven't ever seen before. And that doesn't mean that because we don't see an example of the kind of relationship that we want, that doesn't mean that we can't create something. And so you're saying just out of my own curiosity, is that, you know, is that a very new paradigm thing that we're in that position? Can you explain more why you feel that way? Cause this is, I, I know you, and I know it's not just you having a positive outlook on our future. Like you're <laughs> actually looking at, you know, something tangible that makes you know that. So can you explain that to us? Yeah. So specifically in the whole relationship, as you're asking about relationships, I think that, you know, the current view of relationships and the paradigm of anything that exists is because someone in the past thought it up, right? And I don't mean like in a malicious, you know, mean way to control people necessarily, but like that was what suited a time and it will last until it's so beyond outdated. And then people are really like sick of it and realizing the mismatch between that paradigm and the way that the world is actually currently naturally operating. And I think that, you know, it's easy to, to um, see how the current understanding of relationships applied when, for example, we were living 60 years, you know, and it's, it's easy to see how, for example, weddings had to be a thing when land was needed to be protected and you had to have dowries. And um, of course it has evolved slightly, but that's an originally where the current thing has even evolved from, right? So when you think about it in a completely different way, when you blow this open that we, our generation is gonna live to 120, if not more, right? Then all of a sudden there's a lot of concept, concepts that seem crazy, right? Like, do we wanna be married to the same person for a hundred years? Is that something that we even want? Um, and it's not to say that some people, you know, some people that will still be yes and some people that will be hell no. And all of those are okay. Um, but it's to almost say that at the end of the day, we are here in, there's no one, um, how do I put this? There's no one who removes the fact that you are alone inside your head and that your whole life is a relationship between you and the universe, you and God, you and source, whatever you want to call it, right? So whether you're in a thousand relationships or a hundred relationships or one relationship, it matters. It's going to matter less, I think, about the form and more about the content. So do you have the depth you know, and maybe is it is it worse or better to have three amazing, deep, loving relationships where you part on such good terms and you learned and you healed and you grew and maybe one of them was challenging and it didn't end so well or one where you kind of skirted around the surface. And I'm not saying those are the only two options, but I'm just giving those examples to say that I think the new understanding of relationships is like how much love you can give and receive how, even if the form evolves and, you know, I forget who it was that said it, maybe it was Esther Perel, but like, you know, everyone goes through many different marriages. It's just that some people stay in the same marriage. It's just the same marriage with the same person. It's like three different marriages, but with the same person. So I think if we focus on the fact that it is risky to be the one that is more vulnerable, and I don't mean vulnerable, like, you know, vocally being a mess 24 seven, I mean, vulnerable, like, showing parts of yourself that you thought were unacceptable, showing different parts of you than what you were used to showing that person, showing up as your full self, being a living contradiction in terms, being okay with all of your moods, um, speaking up for when you need space, going against convention in the ways that your heart really calls you to, like you're talking about with you and your fiance and expressing that and talking about that with someone and 
risking that they might not like what you're going to say, right? All of that is going to be conducive to more love and more connection. Um, but that is the, that is the scary part. But because I think our generations in particular, our task now is to bring deeper connection to the world. And that is one of the things that we're being tasked with because the new paradigm, as you know, there's going to be so much less focus on the collective and more on the individual, right? So now we're thinking about like, not who's above me, who's making the rules, how do I listen to them best? But like, what suits me generally? If there are no rules, if there are no things that should apply to everyone, then what do I want? And that sounds like that's an amazing luxury, but it's also a huge responsibility. And that's why it's risky and scary. I think you, if anyone looks around, they can see evidence of that. I think that especially, I don't know if people are on TikTok or anything, but definitely that generation is not resisting asking questions about doing things differently. I think we're kind of like in this in-between period and that's why it does feel so scary. Um, but I guess what, and maybe you don't have an answer for this because I think it's so much easier to approach life knowing that there's some sort of blueprint that we're supposed to be following. Like it, like you said, it's terrifying to be mm -hmm. like, I don't know what a relationship looks like a hundred years from now. Like what, what does it look like to do that? And I'm not asking you, what does it look like to have a relationship for a hundred years, but like, what are some things that we can be doing to like check in with ourselves? I don't know. Do you, is there things? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think the, the most important thing is instead of try to craft how it is going forward is to start to, you know, how we often say, like, it's not about becoming anything, but about unbecoming. It's kind of the same in here where it's like, where are the things that you're slightly being like, oh, I have to say it this way though, or I have to do, it has to be done this way. Cause that's just the way it's done. It's almost like noting to yourself where you're almost subtly trying to look to a mold. And when you catch yourself doing that, you're like, hold on a second. And if you want to do it the mold way, that's great. If it's authentic to you, amazing, right? But you know where there's almost this like, where you kind of shush, shush yourself into a, into a form, you know what I mean? Yes. And it feels difficult. You know, you know, when you're kind of like putting a little bit of a squeeze on your soul, like, oh, you know, like Taylor, for example, I'm just making this up, but like, do I want to wear, oh, I actually don't think I like white. So maybe I want to wear a pink wedding dress. I don't know, right? Yeah, that's me. I'm like floral. That feels more me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want 10 white dresses. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you can apply that to so, and we're not, you know, just outside of, you know, love relationships, you can apply this to so many things, but obviously I think love relationships is probably the hardest place because it's the most intimate, most deep reflection, most whatever. But, you know, I think it's important to also think about a really great, great place to start is to think about how you want to feel in a relationship. And then when all the different, like, how do I set the relationship up? All those things come about. You can ask yourself like, well, are those going to help me feel the way I want to feel? Right. So if I want to feel free, for example, is to you having joint bank accounts, making you feel less free. Maybe to some people that makes them feel more free. I don't know, but to think about like, okay, well, is freedom important? Is safety important? Is, and what do those things look to me? And then as you go, you can assess like the quote unquote rules or process and go, okay, do I let this one in? Or is this one going to be not our vibe? You know what I mean? This it's yeah. a yes to this and a no to this. And just as you go along, like it's, it makes it so much less threatening when you just go, well, as and when it comes up, I'll just measure them against my values. It's so funny that you say, 
I think it is helpful to give like practical examples of like what it looks like to question things. And you mentioned the bank account thing. That is something that I thought about. Like, I don't want to do that. Obviously we will have there be things that we join together, but to Mm -hmm. me, I know how I work. I know that I want to be financially motivated for myself. And so Mm -hmm. we're setting up our finances in a way that doesn't really make sense to people. People have questioned what we're doing and you know what? I don't know if it's the right way, but all I know is that it feels right for us. And that's, that's, that's all that matters is that when the more we see people doing it their way, the easier it becomes then for us to do it our way, but we need the mold breakers. And that's, it's the people who are on the edge that it's scary, scariest for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I also want to encourage people to not just buy into progressive things without thinking about them right because like for example you could see like oh polyamory is like you know new wave and this and that but like if that makes you feel less free or more insecure from a soul place then don't just adopt that blindly just because someone's saying to you it's more woke or more spiritual or more further ahead or whatever like if you prefer to have a joint bank account and take your husband's name and merge everything you know do that too. That's absolutely fine. The main thing is to make sure that it's, is that decision coming from genuine preference where you'll be able to tell because there's no charge to it. There's just a happiness and a a kind of neutral excitement versus like assuaging the negative feelings of fear, of insecurity, of lack, of whatever. You know what I mean? So like joining a bank account so that you don't feel fearful is very different than joining a bank, joining bank accounts because you just think that's like so sweet and romantic and lovely and it makes you feel all like tied and secure and safe. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel secure and safe. Absolutely not, you know? It's just if we're using them to like cover the absence of negative feelings, that's a different energy. And again, it comes back to be your own energy reader, which just means being honest with yourself about what your hidden motivations are and let there be no hidden motivations that you're not okay with admitting to yourself because none of them are bad and we all have them. But the quicker you admit them to yourself, the more you can turn them around. And that's the magic. I love that you point out that just doing the opposite or the progressive thing because you think that you don't want to do the traditional thing. Um, that's not even necessarily moving you in the right direction. It's just going the opposite direction isn't necessarily moving you in the right direction. <laughs> and I'll I'll tell you like straight up from my own experience. And I just happen to be going through, you know, getting married at this point. And that happens to be like a very traditional thing. Um, I did my bachelorette party and I like had a little bit of resistance to the, you know, the cheesy, you know, dressing up costumes. Like I had so much fun doing it at my other friends um, bachelorettes, but for some reason, like I felt like I wanted to do things differently. So I kind of went the opposite way and I'll be honest, like I regret not doing some of the cheesy stuff. I, I regret it. And I'm like, you know what, Taylor, like you probably, and I'm glad I realized that now because I'll be like handing it up at my wedding to make (laughs) up for it. But I was like, oh, okay. Maybe that wasn't a true, want to do the full opposite maybe that was correct for other people but maybe you do love like putting on the sash and wearing the obnoxious you know tiara like whatever like maybe you would have liked that and just because you acted like doing the opposite was like cooler or more progressive or different you missed Mm -hmm. out on something that you actually wanted so I'm glad you bring that up because um yeah doing the opposite out of (laughs) you know, impulse isn't necessarily the right direction. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, lucky in that, in that um, instance that it was like a smaller thing, but, you know, when we're talking about things like, you know, you can really convince yourself that you don't want certain bigger things out of like in a rebellion almost, or because you think that it's almost like an easier way to cast out the old is to not take what works from the old for you and bring it and merge it with the parts that are new that work for you. It's almost easier. Of course, it's much less work to just go and do the exact opposite. Um, the harder part is the nuance and the slow exploration of, you know, what is it that I like? What is it that I don't like? If I, if none of the rest of the world had rules, which we're not going to have rules, we're, we're, we're diverging so much now where there are no norms, right? Um, and obviously it's interesting because social media will make you actually feel like there are more norms in many ways and make the, make the world seem like it's converging, but really it is diverging in such big ways where whatever you're doing, someone else is doing it already on this planet. You just don't know them. And um, whatever you're doing already, there's probably 25 other people that are dying for to see you as the example so that you make it more normal, you know? So really listening to your own heart and soul on this and saying, how would I do this if, I, if there was no pre-trodden path? Just every step of the way, keep asking yourself that question. I think that's how we do it, you know, and on the, on the, to take it back to the connection thing, I think um, we also don't want to push depth on people who aren't ready. So it's not about saying like, I want to talk about, you know, what's the meaning of the universe to, you know, my aunt who has no interest in that, for example. Right. But there's Venn diagrams of where we can meet. And I don't always need to be the person that's super deep. Like, what is it that I may have in common with this person? And we can meet there without me having to fix her or people please her or bend her or hide parts of who I am. And then sometimes there's this beautiful moment where you just realize like, okay, well, we just don't gel and you're not going to gel with everybody. And we don't have to force the gelling on everybody, but we do have to give people a chance and we do have to give ourselves a chance of having of receiving connection by showing up as our real selves. Because if you are used to being the chameleon, the people pleaser, the one that's like always shiny, sparkly, those are often the people. And I say this from experience. Those are often the people who feel like they don't have friends or that they can't connect or it's difficult to make friends because you're not giving anyone a standing chance of being able to to just, you know, you have a wall up. Right. Even though it's a pretty wall, it's still a wall. Yeah. and it's that a little bit of like the spiritual ego coming in. And I think you're kind of alluding to that where, you know, you're, I'm so spiritual, I'm so deep. And then having a conversation with your aunt and assuming like there's this separation between you and her because she doesn't want to meet you there. Um, there's a little bit, I think of the spiritual ego in there, right? Like just because people don't want to talk about that doesn't mean them put them above or below you. Yeah. Exactly. And also what you'll discover is that sometimes people who aren't ready to go there are just afraid. Either they're not interested or they're afraid or you're showing up with, you know, a new part of you that sometimes takes people a bit of time to adjust to. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be friends. It's just like when all of a sudden you start showing the real you, like it's okay that some people are like, wait, who is this? Like, is this still a new part of my friend? Like I need to get to know this part, even though they don't know that's consciously what they're doing. So it's just like giving people so much grace and letting chips fall where they may. Like if it really doesn't happen over time, that's also fine, you know? I'm really glad you brought it to the beginning conversation because I think both of these conversations go hand in hand where if we are gonna open up new ways of doing things, we also have to assume that people 
are intelligent and can meet us there. And we have to be comfortable opening up those conversations. A hundred percent. 